Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by endurance coach Mike Deacon. Mike and I had a really good conversation revolved around some of the myths that people have when it comes to training for running events. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Mike, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Brianne. How's it going down there? Not too bad. It's cool for us, which is like 80 degrees right now. Um, <laughs> but we in the 90s again here soon, so no complaints. Nice. Yeah, no, for us, it's warming up to like 11 degrees. And you are so. Celsius. I, I am, I'm talking Fahrenheit for me. You are Celsius. We yeah, will clarify that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, I'm excited to dive into um, this conversation. I think what we have in store today is definitely important for runners and endurance athletes to really under- to hear and understand. Um, so we will dive into all of that. But first and foremost, who are you? All right. Well, thanks for inviting me on. My name is Mike Deacon, and I am with West Coast Endurance Training out in Maple Ridge, BC, up in Canada. And so what I work with and the clients that I work with are endurance athletes looking to improve their strength and endurance and overall performance. Um, They're usually looking to either break a personal record or even just improve their overall performance and minimize injury impact. Okay. Awesome. Um, Getting into kind of wanting to get better. um, You know, I think, so many people's like, Oh, I want to get faster. So I just need to run more, or I need to run just faster every single day. Or, you know, all of these ideas about just like, if I want to improve, I just have to like run more, run faster, do these things. One, why does that not work? And two, why does it almost set us up for failure? Well, you know, that's funny that that's a lot of the things that I hear when I'm initially speaking with the clients that I work with and just the people in the running community in general, you hear a lot of that. It's like, you know, if you want to get faster, you just got to run more. You've got to um, just run faster. But the problem with that is one running more doesn't improve your, won't necessarily improve your speed and performance because you're just working in that one plane. And if you're not focusing on or working on improving your strength in your core, your quads, your hip flexors, those muscles that you're going to use to run, you're going to build that imbalance and you're not going to perform well. You're going to fatigue. You're going to overuse them. Um, The other part to that too, is if you're just going out there and running say the same pace every single training session and you're not varying your training sessions and you're not implementing say a hill training session or a speed training session where you're doing like intervals or things like that again you're not going to get that um, improvement out of your training you're just going to you're training your body to run at a specific spot and that's all it's going to want to do So why, when we, like, if I want to run, say an eight minute pace for a marathon, why can I not just go out and run an eight minute pace every single day and like, be okay with that way? Like, why does that method not really work? 
Well, overall, like I used to personally train that way when I first got into the endurance running and the marathon events and things like that, where I just go out and just push myself to stay at that same consistent pace. It, it didn't really work. It didn't really benefit my training. I found that, you know, when you're out there doing your training sessions, some runs, you're going to find that's going to be really easy and you're going to be able to maintain that pace and things are going to go great. Other ones, it's not going to work very well. And overall, when you train yourself to run in that one specific pace or zone, you, you tend to peak or you tend to get into a plateau that you don't break through and your body starts going, okay, well, I only have to put this much effort in. So you're really not, you're just training it to be satisfactory, I guess, as a way to look at it. But again, it also, depending on the event, depending on what's going on, if you've done your training and you're training at that eight month, that eight minute mile, and it's a fairly flat course that you've been training in and you go and you do an event that has got a lot of rolling Hills or it's got different climbs or things like that. You're not going to hit, it's not going to be efficient for that type of a, of a terrain. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Kind of piggybacking on that as far as running, like say we train flat cause that's all we have, but we know we have Hills, steep hills, whatever in a race that's coming up. What can we, what can we start doing like in the gym or maybe in our training sessions, you know, even running to start helping help us train for those hills when we don't necessarily have access to them. So, you know, with good question, you know, I will have clients start doing, um, body weight squats. If they're not, if they're not comfortable doing fully weighted squats at first, just so that they start activating and building the glutes, the hamstrings, your quads, um, stretching the hip flexors, lunges are another great way to build up some of the strength in your quads and in your glutes to help drive that momentum. Another really easy, simple way to implement a hill type training session is out on your run, if you run past, say, a park or a field that has a stadium where you can access the bleachers and the stairs, going and doing the stairs there is a quick, easy thing that you can implement. It may not give you the elevation you're necessarily going to deal with or the incline, but it's going to give you that, that ability to start building that endurance for it. The other thing too, when I'm working with clients and they're trying to run their hills, the biggest, biggest thing that they tend to do is they, they tend to look down at their feet, which doesn't benefit them as well. So getting into that habit of, you know, looking slightly up and keeping your head up and everything open keeps that breathing piece open as well, making it feel a lot more I guess, more effective, more efficient as you're getting the oxygen that you need. Because if you've ever done your training session and felt really winded, or if you've ever noticed you're looking down at your feet, you kind of feel the airflow change. It starts to affect your performance. So training yourself to run with your head up and your shoulders relaxed and doing those stairs will definitely come 
to a big benefit to your overall training. How far up, like, I, I know it's hard because different steepness is going to change a little bit, but like, if you're going up a steep hill, obviously you don't want to look like up at the top of the hill because then you're just putting you up too upright. So like how far in front of you should you really be looking on those hills? You know, when I'm looking at a hill, depending on what the steepness and the length of it is, personally, I'll break that hill down into two or three chunks. So I'm always wanting to look just slightly above eye level. So if I'm looking dead on at the hill, I'm always looking, like I say, just slightly above eye level to keep that airway open, keep the head up, keep the body in the right posture and in the right position. Um, Finding those landmarks on those hills. So, you know, whether it be focusing on, say, the if you're running on a road and it's got the painted lines on the center where they're broken down, you know, just it's kind of pick that up. Or another good thing is looking at the lamp posts as a guideline. So, you know, looking two or three street lights or lamp posts ahead of you. So that forces you to keep that posture up and your head up. Awesome. I love using the lamppost too, for like interval workouts. Yes. So I don't have to like, sure. watch, like pay attention to a watch or anything. It's just like <laughs> two posts hard, one post easy or whatever. Right. No. And that's a great guideline as well for your speed work just anything like that, or even using, um, sometimes what I'll do when I'm working with my own training or working with a group is we'll do an interval session where we'll use the sidewalks. Mm. And the benefit there is, you know, sidewalks aren't always the same distance in length. So sometimes you get a long speed session out of it, followed by a short recovery. And other times it's a short into it's a shorter intense session with a little bit longer recovery. So it just gives you that little bit of variety as well, which again, goes back to helping you improve that speed in your overall performance. Yeah. I like that idea. What tips do you have? I like, I just love to ask people because everyone has different ideas behind it. Um, like some depending on this person's level skill level, but also just some Hills are just not like, made to be run up consistently. <laughs> like, right. What, like, what do you suggest as far as like, if someone's really struggling to like, cause of just they're newer to running, working on running Hills. Like what are some good ways to start building up that like ability to run those inclines? So that's a great question. Cause a lot of people, especially when they're just starting out or if they're not used to running these steeper hills and the steeper inclines that can present themselves in a training session or in an event is, you know, be consistent. If you're able to find a hill to train on, it's about being consistent in the time it takes you to get up the hill or take your recovery coming down. So your effort coming down that hill when you're training should be all about bringing your heart rate, your breathing back down into that normal range so that when you start put, when you push to go up the hill, you're fully ready to get back engaged in it and do this. Usually when I'm working with clients or groups of people, what I tell them is when you're working on your hill training, if you can talk to the person beside you, you may not necessarily be putting the right amount of effort getting up the hill, but 
it's always about being consistent. If you're doing say four hill repeats, those four hill repeats should always be the same amount of time each time. You may not get that at first. It may take you a little bit, but you know, if you have to break that hill down, say maybe the first session you're on a hill or you're doing stairs even, because some people struggled even just running up and down the stairs, right? It's a different, it's a different thought process. It's a different foot placement. So maybe your first training session, your goal is halfway up that hill or halfway up that flight of stairs or set of stairs. And then you come back down and you do that again. And you do that three or four times. The next training session you go out and you're working on that you go a little bit further. So it's just all about progressing through it. Once you complete the full distance, then maybe it's more about adding an extra repeat to that session. So it's all about progression. Awesome. Very cool. I think another, another thing that runners, especially, well, I shouldn't even say, especially new runners, like I see people who are all the time like, I'm on my 1,000 day running streak. I'm like, I do not think that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> so many like, you know, whether it's just because someone just, just like, I'm going to run every single day. And some of those could just mean like, I'm going to go half a mile just because I say I'm going to have this running streak and like, this is my run type thing. But when we are training for a race, um, you know, it's, it's really not important to run every single day. And I think it's actually more important to take those rest days or at least breaks from running. Um, so I'm going to let you kind of talk about that as far as your thought process behind, like, why don't we necessarily need to run every single day? And why is it almost a detriment to us if we do? So that, you know, personally, I don't run every single day in my training and when I work with, again, when I work with people and clients, I, I don't recommend running every single day. You can do it. And there's lots of programs out there that that's how they're built on. It's like, okay, if you're wanting to accomplish this distance or this event, you need to run X number of days every week. The detriment there is you, if that's all you're doing, you're only working your body in one plane for one. So you're just consistently doing the same repetitive motion over and over again, which will create an imbalance and lead to injury down the road. And I'm, I've done it. I've gone through it band issues, Achilles, um, hip flexors, all sorts of it. When you're, and a lot of it was because I was just focused more on running and logging those miles because that's what we're told, or that's what you see the bulk of, of these plans doing. But when you, if you start balancing that out, so say you run only three or four days a week and layer in some strength training to build those core muscles, the, as well as your legs and even your upper body. And I know a lot of people kind of get apprehensive or freak out a little bit because they're thinking, okay, if I'm going to do strength training, I'm building muscle. I'm going to bulk up. It's going to make me heavy. It's going to impact my performance, but strength training isn't about bulking up. It's about making those muscles stronger and more effective and helping you perform better. Let's take a quick break to talk about zero shoes. You know I love being barefoot. I am barefoot as much as possible. 
But when you're out in public, sometimes that's frowned upon. And when you're walking around on concrete and asphalt in the Phoenix summers, it's highly unsafe. That's when Zero Shoes comes in handy. These shoes allow my feet to be as barefoot as possible, to allow my feet to still work like they were made to work. And the great thing about these shoes is they last. They have a 5,000 mile sole warranty, meaning you rarely have to replace these shoes. And they have a wide range of options. So whether you're looking for sandals, something for casual wear, or something for your sports or work, they have you covered. You can go check them out at zero shoes, that's spelled X-E-R-O shoes.com slash go slash get your fix PT. And you can find all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now back to our conversation. When you take that break from the running, it gives that, it gives your body that little bit of a rest that it's going to need. And there are other, if you feel you need to do some sort of cardio exercise or endurance exercise, there are other things that people can do, you know, go for a walk on an active rest day, use the bike at the gym, or even go for a bike ride. If you, if you happen to enjoy bike riding, go for a swim. There are multiple ways to get that cardio in there without it having to be specifically just running. Yeah. And I think that's like that. I like to call use it like say pattern interrupt, but basically, you know, that same thing, like you're still being active, just not doing that same repetitive running motion. Um, like I, I think active rest days can be helpful, like full rest, but at the same time, I think active recovery is, can be a lot more beneficial just because the body, like, I don't know, I, in my forties, I feel like I get stiff if I just don't do anything. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, you know, I love, uh, I incorporate act, at least one or two active rest days every week. And it's just because I feel I always have to be moving around and it's just, it keeps everything moving. It keeps the muscles from tightening up. It keeps your body from feeling that achy tightness. And, you know, we're going to get that achy tightness from our training at any, at, at different points. Anyways, when you, when you do that one exercise and you're like, Oh, I found this muscle that I haven't used in a while on that way. So it just helps loosen that up. Um, I don't know. I'm not an, I'm not a person to just sit around. So I'm always active Mm -hmm. and I have a dog. So I'm walking my dog three or four times a day anyways. So, you know, there's no such thing as a rest day. (laughs) Plus getting outside is just so like healing for the brain and the body and like just going out for a peaceful walk can be great. Oh, exactly. So you mentioned as far as how important strength work is for runners. Um, to kind of build that base, get that, get support the body a little bit better. Um, I know you mentioned squats and lunges. What or other sorts of things are you doing with your, with your runners in order to help develop that strength for running? So uh, some of the basics that we go into, we go into squats, we do lunges. Um, we also work on the core. So thing exercises such as planks are really good to help with that core stability. Because if you're not engaging your core, if you don't have that stable core, as, as you know, it, it's just a chain link reaction. 
to how it affects your performance. Um, calf raises as well, just to keep everything, just to keep that balance. And then we do, we also use upper body because, you know, you, you want to keep that balance. So there is a lot of benefit to working your upper body. You're again, you're not doing it to bulk up. You're doing it to keep those muscles active and engaged and strong so that if you decide one day to go from say just a basic, or I shouldn't say just a basic, but from say just a running event to an obstacle course race, for example, you're going to need that strength to do those obstacles and carry you through the different, the different things you're going to do in that event. So if you, again, are just focusing on say the endurance piece, you're not necessarily going to be prepared to do some of those carries or some of those rope climbs or wall hoisting yourself up over a wall. So there's a, it's just a a good way to stay well-rounded and active. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people don't truly understand how much the upper body is involved with running. Like if you ever just keep your arms hanging down by your sides, when you're running, like it's a lot more (laughs) difficult. (laughs) We really do use our upper body more than, than you realize with running. Oh, for sure. And if you've, uh, and if you have bad, especially if you have bad posture, or if you are a person that when you're running, you start tensing up through the shoulders that you really get an idea how, just how much that upper body's engaged, because I don't know about yourself when you first started, but I know a few times when I was first starting out, I didn't realize I was crunching up my shoulders in that as I got tired during a run. And the next thing I'd know that the following day, I'd be like, wow, I didn't go to the gym. Why are my shoulders and my arms all, all achy and tight? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things I wanted to dive into today is like, you know, we can, anyone can go online and find some just like 20 week marathon training plan or half marathon plan or all these different, just kind of generic training plans, essentially, um, which they do serve a purpose. They can be good programs, but why will like, why may it not be like the best thing for someone or kind of where, where are the downfalls to getting to one of those generic programs compared to something that's more custom for that person? So, you know, the, you're right. There are a lot of cookie cutter or generic type programs out there. They have their place, they have their benefit, but what I find and what I feel is where they're lacking is there's not the, one, there's not the, um, consideration to your individual skill level or performance level. So being cookie cutter, it's just kind of geared. They're usually geared to the generic population. And more often than not, I, I find a lot of them are geared more to beginners or one people that are just, maybe they've done a couple of events or they've done some running but it just gives them a path to follow, to get there, to complete whatever that distance is. Most of them also don't usually incorporate a lot of strength training. They may give you some suggestions. They might give a few generic workouts or what have you, but again, it's just more generic level. It's not to that individual skill level or performance. The other downfall I see to them is when you get them, most of them are just, Hey, here you go. Here's your program. Download it, 
follow it, knock yourself out. There's nobody that really, there's usually nobody there guiding you along or providing you with support and accountability in that training session. So, you know, if you're really disciplined and you like to, and you do go out and push yourself and you fought and follow the program, you can get the benefit out of it. But more often than not, when we're left to our own devices, we all know what happens. We kind of put, we get those days where we're not really putting that ex, that effort into it. We're out there just to get it done. Cause we want, we, Hey, I bought this program or I got this program. It says I have to do this. I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where, that's kind of where I see those falling down where when you're working with a coach like myself, where we work with you to go through the stages and we tailor the program to your specific skill level or, and whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, whether it be a half marathon, marathon, ultra, um, an obstacle course event where you've got multi-dynamics to it you're going to get the training out of it to prepare you to be successful at that event or that run or whatever it is. And people that aren't even doing those events or those types of runs, they get the, they get just as much benefit out of it as well, because you've got that accountability. You've got that person you can lean on saying, Hey, this didn't feel right today. What was I, what could I have possibly been doing wrong or what do I need to adjust? But they're also there to help help you celebrate that achievement in getting through the program or getting through the event, whatever those little wins along the way are, because they're just as important as the overall accomplishment at the end. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, that you didn't mention, I think is important is because I'm thinking back, I used one of the cookie cutter programs when I trained for my first marathon. That was 20 years ago. Um, was in college, like have a lot of time on your hands. Right. And yeah. like, I was able to follow it at the time because I did have a lot of extra time on my hands when like, I'm thinking now, as far as with, cause I think at that time it was a six day a week running plan and I was doing strength work too. Um, but I'm like, it's really time. Like a lot of those programs are very time consuming and not that training for a race isn't going to be, but they aren't like, it's hard to know on your own how to tweak those based on your lifestyle too. No, exactly. And you're right. A lot of them are that six. I've even seen some that are like seven days a week with the training. And you're just like, okay, I know personally, when I trained for my first half marathon, I'm like, okay, I can't dedicate six, seven days a week to running. It doesn't fit my schedule. I work, I've got this, we've got that. So you're knowing how to tweak and balance the is really key. And that's why um, when I first start working with a client and I start helping people train, it's like, okay, realistically, what do you want to achieve? And more importantly, how much time are you able to dedicate to a training program? Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind, especially if you're doing a half marathon or a full marathon distance, you're going to have a training session that depending on your, your skill level and your running ability and everything, you could be out on a training run for two, three, four hours. Mm -hmm. And that takes a chunk out of your day. Like if you don't have that, if you've got to kind of figure out how to balance that and when you're not sure, or you're not um, sure, even that you could do it yourself on your own, 
it does throw it does throw some detriment in it and I want to say apprehension into the training. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think like, you know, you can look at a program and just kind of like, well, I can only run five days a week. So I'm just going to remove this day. But if you don't really know the reason behind like why different things are programmed, you know, I think it can, uh, it won't necessarily be detrimental, but it won't be the most effective plan either. No, exactly. And if, and if you don't understand the terminology in the training program as well. Mm-hmm. Like you, you should be varying your types of runs. You should be having a consistent run, a run that might be a little bit faster, not your necessarily your race pace, but a faster pace where you're working a little bit harder. Or if it's a, if you're doing some hill training, then you, you need those days in there, but you also need that long, slow run mm-hmm. to, get your head wrapped around the distance, especially when you're first starting. Like I know when I first started the thought of running 21 K was like, wow, I don't even know how long that is. <laughs> right. And then you're out there running and the next thing, you know, three hours, two or three hours have gone by and you're like, I've just ran around my whole entire city. <laughs> <laughs> Or where I live, I've ran out to the countryside and over and saw a few, a few horses and cows and what have you out in the, in the farmland. So, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all those little nuances that if you're not sure how to implement them or what those things mean, you're not going to get that full impact and benefit out of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Mike, this has been a really a great conversation. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel would that you feel is really really beneficial to bring up today? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that anybody looking to either get into running or they're running and preparing for an event is make sure that you're fi- you're you're finding a program that one works with your ability and your training capacity fits your schedule because we all are very busy. We all have different things going on, but enjoy it. If you don't enjoy your training and you don't enjoy the program, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna stick with it. And I think that's the biggest thing with any, with any program, with anything in life, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick with it. Absolutely. That's a perfect statement to end it on. (laughs) <laughs> well mike if someone has more questions for you wants to reach out to you wants to follow you where can they find you um they can find me on linkedin uh my name is mike deacon i'm on facebook i have a facebook group called west coast endurance training and you can find me there as well as I'll give you, I will give you my email. It's mikedeacon at shaw.ca. You can reach me anytime. And I always respond. I'm on Instagram as well. So just look up Mike Deacon. I believe it's mike.deacon.72 or 71 on that page. Awesome. We'll find it and make sure we get it on the show notes for you. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This is fun. No, this has been great. Thanks for having me on. And I look forward to seeing how things progress with everybody. Awesome. 
I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. Now, if you are dealing with your own foot and ankle issues and would love to get back to running and racing again, I highly encourage you to check out runwithhappyfeet.com to find out what it looks like to work with me. Or if you want to do things even faster and take a deep dive into your specific situation, then book a free call with me at runwithhappyfeet.com slash book dash call. And finally, if you know someone who would benefit from the information provided today, I would love for you to share this podcast with that person. Now go out and have an awesome day.